Alrighty, are we ready to do this thing? Yeah. Alright, Kiss Army. You wanted the best, you got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcasting. Welcome to a special edition of your podcast. I'm Ken Mills, and today I'm joined by BJ Cramp. How are you doing, sir? I'm, I'm fabulous. How are you, Ken? Fabulous is a wonderful word, and I'm glad to hear that you're fabulous. And this is kind of a crossover. We're doing a crossover between the Mighty Podcast and the Mighty Kiss FAQ Podcast. Welcome, Julian Gill. Ken, great to speak to you again. A man about town, an author, and you always bringing us some really cool Kiss books. What's in the works? Right now, we're just trying to finalize the work on Odyssey, which is all about everyone's favorite Kiss album, Music from the Elder. So we're looking forward to selling six copies of that to the fans that really like the album. It's going to be fantastic. I personally will be one of those. So Can't looking wait. forward to it. Can't yeah, wait. honestly, we really love your books. Well, thanks. That's very kind. Appreciate it. So today on the podcast... We're doing something kind of different. Like I said, we're having a crossover. We've drafted in the brilliant Julian Gill and the ever-fabulous BJ. And today we're going to talk about a different kind of circus. A lot of times, you take a band like Go Van Halen or the Monkees where they'll go back and they'll pull some old songs out of the vault, be it demos or bootlegs or whatever, and they will use them to construct an entirely new album. When Psycho Circus came out, a lot of fans were hoping to recapture the classic Kiss sound and Kiss vision and the Kiss feel. Sadly, Psycho Circus did not really have that. You kind of got a snapshot of what the band actually was like at the time. A lot of people don't like to realize that, but it's true. Today, we're going to talk about some songs that Kiss could have pulled from the vault and maybe made one of those classic Kiss albums from the point of view of their past. Julian Gill is going to bring a list, BJ is going to bring a list, and I have some songs that I'm going to add, but for the most part I'm not a big bootleg guy. I know you guys probably think that that's weird uh, to be a Kiss fan and not really like a lot of bootlegs, right? Well, you know, so much of the catalog is unreleased, so right. yeah, yeah, it is rather interesting, so it would be great to get your perspective. Well, in some ways, I'm I'm of a point where I don't, you know, there's like that saying, friends don't let friends drive drunk. I think there's like, friends don't let let friends listen to bad bootlegs. Like, there's only so many times you can hear a version of Rock and Roll Night and, you know, live things, for example. But then there are certain live things that are amazing to have and hear because they're so rare. Like, for example, uh, Mark St. John or Eric Carr's... uh, palladium show or something like that you know what i mean so i have some things that i really love and some things that i cherish and then there's some things that are just dreadful to listen to you know what i mean and then so many things that repeat does that make any sense yeah it's totally a danger zone that you can get into yeah. when you're starting to collect like the live stuff and you're like "Ooh, they're finishing a set with uh let me know and <laughs> you, you have you have to be pretty into it to know that there are shows where they did use that as their final song mm-hmm. and to actually care about it it really does up the geek quota yeah but it there's 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 times that you also understand when looking back at someone's collection of demos why they never made it as well just select any Gene Simmons demo right now. (laughs) (laughs) 
have girl world travel? No, that's not one of them. But uh, d- d- God, doesn't that sound like something he would do? Absolutely. Have, have girl will travel. That, that, that sounds like it. BJ and Julian, let's speak to what we're looking at as far as the band, since we've kind of framed it within the workings of Psycho Circus time period. We're looking at the four original members, correct, BJ? Yeah. Okay, and uh, Julian, your, your thoughts on that as well? No, I'm totally going with Tommy Thayer as the guitarist and Kevin Valentine on drums. <laughs> well, sadly, sadly, no, that's... No, I, actually, to be hopeful, yes, we're going with the originals lineup here. Okay, uh, very yeah, good. Yeah, I, I guess we're thinking about an alternate reality where they would have had to settle the contract dispute and I think definitely have a different choice of a producer for the record and then imagine if they had... If you know, if, if it had been a harmonious process making the album, and maybe they were actually having some fun, but also like you know, yeah, the idea is, I think it's eight of the songs on a different kind of truth were recycled, at least in part, from older songs. Mm-hmm. So, and that was because Van Halen. I guess they figured if we want to make an, a record that sounds like a classic Van Halen album in the 21st century, then um, this would be a way to approach it to to make that happen. So if maybe Kiss could have taken the same approach. To me, it would have to be Ace and Peter on every song, you know, a full band actually make it, an album actually made by a band, you know, working together and hopefully enjoying themselves, right? Makes sense. So then instead of Wolfgang uh, filling in for Michael Anthony, we would have Tommy Thayer filling in for... No. (laughs) Oh, okay. But I'm pumped. Nick. Nick Simmons. Nick Simmons. Okay. Boy, you know, it could have been worse, folks. Uh, Anyway... So let's let's start off, Julian. Since you're representing the Kiss FAQ podcast, would you like to be the first to throw in your entry into what could make a different kind of circus? Yeah, sure. I'm happy to go first. Here's here's kind of the way that I looked at this whole topic, and you've got Van Halen and the way they did their you know a different kind of truth, which was them kind of balancing kind of some newer stuff with some older stuff Mm -hmm. but i also look back at an album by led zeppelin coda which of course was them wrapping things up and digging into their vaults and kind of putting everything that was left out and i couldn't decide which way i wanted to go with looking at this so i'll just throw it out there you know the first song that i'd really like them to kind of revisit finish um do whatever it takes in terms of the arrangement is Don't You Hesitate. Mm. Uh, That's the one that immediately popped into my mind as a song that is structurally very close to being done. It does need some work. We were obviously blessed to get a copy of that on the box set, but I think given the full studio treatment, having them give some attention to it lyrically, the arrangement again, and recording it with modern sonics, it would be an absolutely fantastic way. Similar to Van Halen's Tattoo, which Mm. had elements of older stuff, you know, just kind of peeking underneath, but was very much a fresh and uh, vital song in its own right. Well, what can you tell us about the song, Don't You Hesitate? Well, from what we know about it, it was initially recorded at the pre-Ezrin or possibly even the uh, the early Ezrin sessions at Magna Graphics. So if I am also correct, it's got J.R. Smalling on drums for most of those. So it's your pre-Destroyer, post-Dress to Kill, Kiss song. And it's a bit 
you know, them really in the same vein as how they'd been writing for those first three albums. So it didn't have external input at that point. It's strictly a pure Kiss song still in that it comes, you know, essentially from the road. And for me, I mean, I, I think people all are going to have their own perspectives on the song. You know, it just sounds like a leftover from Dressed to Kill, mm-hmm. but, but it's it also, you know, kind of a transitional piece. So, you know, it's obviously one that Bob didn't judge worthy of working on or developing maybe because it was too close to what came before and nothing piqued his interest and it also wasn't really indicative of where they were going on the destroyer album i think nothing's indicative of where they were going they sure <laughs> they sure as heck didn't know and you only no. just have to pick up james campion's book to really get a good feel for the transition that occurs in 75 76 DJ, what are your thoughts on Don't You Hesitate? I love it. But it and it, it would fit perfectly on Dress to Kill. You know, you wouldn't even it would you that you could plug that right into Dress to Kill and it would fit perfectly. So personally, I would have much preferred if uh there the next Kiss album that sounded more like Dress to Kill than like Bob Ezrin, you know, being obnoxious in the studio. So <laughs> BJ never shy with his opinion. What's your pick? for a different kind of circus well i put together a whole album uh, with side one and side two i don't know if julian did the same thing or not um i i did indeed but i didn't do side one and side two i just had it (laughs) cd tracks one through 14 Mm. (laughs) yeah (laughs) and don't forget the best buy bonus disc so well i do have japanese bonus tracks well there you go all right so bj 
Well, my approach to this was I decided any song that any member, any of the four members of KISS uh, took part in that wasn't released as a KISS song in the U.S. Uh (laughs) Those are my rules for the pool of songs that they could have chosen from to, you know, revisit and put together an album that would sound, I guess, more like a classic KISS. I'm like, there's a song on a different kind of truth called Blood and Fire that was actually an instrumental that Eddie Van Halen did for the Wildlife soundtrack, and Mm -hmm. then they ended up turning that into a a Van Halen song. So I thought just anything that any of the members had been involved with would be fair game. That's the way I approached it. I put as the first song on my album, I'm sure Julian probably picked this one as well, a song called Sword and Stone, Mm. which was demoed for Crazy Nights. Uh, I think it'd be a great album opener. Definitely would love to hear you know, a really good studio version of the song. I'm envisioning the record being produced by Eddie Kramer, <laughs> which I looked it up in that year, the year of Psycho Circus, Eddie Kramer produced a Brian May album. So he was active, you know, making a rock and roll record. So, you know, you could see Kiss going into the studio with Eddie Kramer at that point. So picture Sword and Stone done right with Eddie Kramer. And uh, there you have it. Well, let's listen to a little bit of Sword and Stone right now. Yeah. 
Basically, your thoughts on Sword and Stone, and and would you have picked it for a different kind of circus? You know what? It's number five on my track listing. And here's what I say about this. I absolutely believe that this is the criminally neglected 1980s song that we could all be remembering the 80s for instead of maybe some of the cat-scratching, glass-breaking, vocal histrionic stuff that we have to remember. Sword and Stone was absolutely perfection, and it being recorded by Bonfire was just a crime against humanity because it didn't get the visibility it deserved. So for me, it was always going to be an important part of this, even though it never had anything to do with Peter and Ace, that... I don't know. Let's go back a couple of years. Do you guys remember a guy called Double Virgo who took Secretly Cruel and reimagined it as a 70s recording and put up a YouTube video of himself performing it and he's doing all the makeup from Gene uh-huh. and and he completely gave it a 70s vibe. I think if you did the same thing with Sword and Stone, give it a 70s vibe so a little bit more guitar a little bit lower keyboards that it could just have been a stunning stunning track i I don't want to hear it how i remember it from 87 88 i want to hear it reimagined with the originals lineup performing that so ace with all his guitar nuances peter with his solid backbeat and you know obviously 1998 paul's vocals and gene's bass lines you know i just think it could have been awesome so you know i think that's a fantastic pick wow excellent yeah it's kind of weird that that song kind of got shot down do you think it was something like this one got shot down along with it's my life like the like maybe paul would put that one up and gene would say no and or gene would put the other one up and paul would say no because <laughs> it it does seem like they're both really strong songs I think Sword and Stone, it it wouldn't have fit on Crazy Nights. That's true. So either they could have, you know, taken Crazy Nights in a different direction, which probably would have been a better choice, even though I like a lot of Crazy Nights. But as Crazy, you know, the album they released, Crazy Nights, I don't think Sword and Stone really would have fit. I can see why they didn't think it would have fit on there. So no, it, it's it, pretty it's, unfortunate, it's, it's, though. It clashes on Crazy Nights with the rest of the yeah. material, for sure. I mean, if anything, I would have traded it in a nanosecond for either of the two songs on Smashes. That would have been even better. Yeah, yeah. that's a great point, yeah. Yeah, they de- yeah, that's, yeah, they definitely could have done something like that. I guess, <laughs> you know, they, they thought they were going for a hit with those songs on Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits. Very misguided, but yeah, that's a, that would, what a great opening song it could have been on there. I except never even for it, thought about that, but that's awesome, yeah. Yeah, except for it having come out on the Shocker soundtrack, which maybe, you know, right. made them shy away from it, which is a, it's a shame, no matter which way we look at it. Such a great song, lost to history, so to speak. Good points. Well, Julian, let's go with your second choice. Well, i got to look through my list here. Just like Van Halen did, I mean, BJ mentioned it earlier that I, I think it's seven of the songs on the 13-track, Different Kind of Truth, were kind of newish songs, and that's songs that they developed over the previous few years, some dating back, I think, to 2009. Now, we've heard from Gene, and obviously Gene is Gene, and he often mentions things that are happening that don't actually happen. So I chose one of his songs that he mentioned years and years ago, and it kind of sums up something that I think the album needed and it's uh, all the kids with painted faces now I know he didn't write this until after 
the uh, Psycho Circus album came out, but I think the sentiment that he's alluding to, that the call out to the fans, a song written specifically similar to how Peter Chris did Faces in the Crowd on his album, acknowledging the fans, a conversation from the band to us and the Kiss Army would have been critically important. So that's where I kind of deviate from digging into the old demos and go with what would have been a completely new song that's contrived, that's written for a specific purpose, like a couple of the songs on Van Halen's album. Very good. BJ Cramp, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm not, I don't even... Have you ever heard that song? Is that is that out there in the... I've never no, he, heard it. No, no, he's only right. mentioned it as a song title. You know, I've got two of those in my list just as the new ones rather than strictly focusing completely on maybe a riff from a demo or a full, you know, song that wasn't released. So, you know, it, it's more about the feeling, you know, that this is... the the band addressing the Kiss Army, which they so seldom do in their songs. Something that I think was missing from Psycho Circus, whereas, you know, they had stuff like We Are One. They really could have explored, I think, a little bit more of showing appreciation to the army of all the kids with painted faces in this case. Yeah, it seems like Gene's approach on Psycho Circus was to try to sound contemporary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, instead of trying to sound like classic Kiss. So obviously, Gene, we're envisioning Gene with a whole different mindset, <laughs> as you know, with his approach to the reunion album than than how it actually turned out. Well, he could have taken two 1975 pills and called us in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, really, uh, what we're talking about is pretty much what Gene did do for Sonic Boom: is go back and recycle stuff, right? So he, he just kind of did take this approach eventually. <laughs> he picked from the wrong folder. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Now, what was the name of the last track, Julian? The one I was just speaking about? Yeah. All the Kids with Painted Faces. All the Kids with Painted Faces. That makes me think of the song that Gene bought from um, John Montgomery from Street Punk. What was <laughs> yeah. that one called? Um, Master of Flash. Yeah. Master, yeah, that's right. I've got that right here. Yeah. It's. I think that was. A, I think Gene had a similar idea in mind with that song, it, or or he thought it was like a God of Thunder type. You know, the character Gene Simmons song or something. I don't know why he thought that, that song is so <laughs> theatric. Yeah. <laughs>
seen where it's hot And more often than not You'll be there Backstage when you're through He's alive With no cares He's always flashing his wares Oh look He's smiling at you Twelve year old Painted faces Follow him around Even girls He's dancing in places Knowing he's in town He's all together Wrapped up in his world Never once believing He never believes what he sees Yeah And when he's old What about you, Ken? Um, Do you have some I, picks there? I, see, my picks are kind of weird. Like, I was thinking more in terms of like '70s demos and stuff like that, as opposed to '80s, like the Sword and the Stone thing. Like, that's a great choice, but I would be looking back to the old days if if that makes sense. Yeah, there's just not a whole lot. Yeah, that's see. This is where I like kind of struggled a little bit as far as. Uh, what to do, you know what I mean, for this... I mean, I definitely particular. wouldn't have wanted a Life in the Woods Acrobat album. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> hey, those are on my list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, BJ, or, uh, you're, you're, you're next... Stanley the Parrot, they could have brought that Yeah, back. Stanley the Parrot. <laughs> well, BJ, your next choice? Well, you already mentioned my next choice, which is so obvious. Uh, it's my life. To me maybe one of the best kiss songs ever uh, insane that they you know in my opinion they should have this should have been the first song on side two of creatures of the night and this should have been the single uh-huh. um i don't know about you guys i'm not a big fan of i love it loud i agree with paul <laughs> i love it loud i i don't think it's that great of a song and if they would have come up with it's my life you know with a video on mtv and everything who knows i i you know they probably wouldn't have sold many copies of that record almost no matter what but uh such a great song it's my life and it's kind of a almost like a rock and roll all night part two or something you know it's gene and paul writing together and it's just such a great pop song and yeah i would i say put this in, instead of i love it loud as on creatures of the night as a single but of course they also did bring this song back in the Psycho Circus sessions, but I just, I don't really like that version of it. Um, I just, in my opinion, Bruce Fairbairn just was really the wrong choice, and did, he did not do a good job on that record. But, um, yeah, and of course, you know, Wendy O. Williams released it, and King Cobra, but t- to me, it's just an absolute classic Kiss song, so I would have loved it if they had, you know, if this song had found new life with the reunion album. That would have been great. Agreed. I don't understand why that song wasn't given more love in the Kiss camp itself. But uh, <laughs> I, on the other hand, I didn't really care for the reworking that wound up around the same time of the Psycho Circus. It, it, to me, I would have wanted the the old track and just put the different vocals on it. You know. Yeah, I don't. 
the the you know the best sounding version of the Creatures of the Night era I have you can hear like another song bleeding through on the tape so yeah. it's not there's not like the greatest quality uh, bootlegs of the song out there but it's such a great song it's amazing well I also love Wendy Williams's version so yeah you know. the definitive version so julian your thoughts on it's my life you know it's such a fantastic song and i totally agree with bj that you know what bruce did to that song is just he neutered it he took off its balls and you know no disrespect well actually i'm sorry disrespect meant to him because he killed that song when we <laughs> listened to it in the 80s it was absolutely fantastic it was exciting it was the song that you felt really could have saved the band in 1982, which just boggles the mind of how it slipped through their fingers. They were actually ahead of the curve of everything they copied in 82, 83, 84 for those emerging bands. It's My Life was the KISS anthem for the decade, and they wasted it. 
And I don't think it would have mattered that Wendy had done it, that King Cobra had done it. And I think Black and Blue even recorded a version of it for mm. one of their albums that didn't get used. Um, I think for the wider public, if you'd hit the radio back when, they were, I guess they were still playing some things other than playlists on the radio, instead of Psycho Circus, I think that would have had a lot more traction because it grabs you far more than Psycho Circus does. Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah, there's a certain amount of you know personal, you know subjective stuff that comes into that. But you know, I would have been so excited to hear that on the radio instead of Psycho Circus because as a Kiss fan, it means something to me. And as a music fan, it's just a better damn song. Simple as that. Agreed. Agreed. 100%. It's a brilliant pop single, and they could have beat Bon Jovi to the punch too <laughs> if they come out with it in 1998. Exactly. And Bon Jovi had a hit with the same title. You know, this is an even better song than the Bon Jovi song. So, you know, just a couple years earlier, who's to say that Kiss couldn't have had a hit with this song, you know, if Bon Jovi could do it. So, yeah, actually, just to correct myself, Gene did get Black and Blue to do a recording of that for In Heat, but it wasn't used. Wow. Really? Is that out there? Nope. And I've never heard it. Uh huh. Well, I'm going to throw one out at the table. And it's It Ain't the Smoke, which was kind of leaked a couple years ago. And I always found it to be a very fun uh, choice. Uh, I send this with dedication out to Roland Sarazen, who just loves this track. Oh, man. But when I know 
What are your guys' thoughts on It Ain't the Smoke from 1975? Julian? You know, when it comes to this song, I really would rather listen to Bachman Turner Overdrive and Taking Care of Business. <laughs> because it's very <laughs> because similar. It, it just seems to me to be so similar that it's a little bit too obvious. But it is, or it has, a very good vibe to it that mm-hmm. I think, just like Don't You Hesitate, that if they you know, just worked on the arrangements and the lyrics and the structure, again, like the Van Halen stuff, that there would be enough of the basic skeleton left from that song that KISS fans you know, would be able to tell that that's something that was built on the classic air of the band. So that gives it a legitimacy that would have been very honest to having Peter and Ace and Gene and Paul all working together in the studio in harmony in 1997-98. Yeah, that's kind of how I look at it. And I like how there's uh, the, the lead vocals together with Gene and Paul, you know, doing a little back and forth there. It's very cool. BJ, your thoughts on It Ain't the Smoke? Yeah, it's very similar to Don't You Hesitate, but I think Don't You Hesitate is way better. Uh, it's another kind of Just to Kill vibe song. Um, mm-hmm. I swear that you can hear Mr. Speed. I think Paul kind of took that song and turned it into Mr. Speed later, maybe. I think you can kind of hear it in that song. I'm not sure on that, but that's the feel I get. You know, it's a classic kind of sounding Paul Stanley song, but Don't You Hesitate is a lot better and from the same time period, right? Oh, so you're telling me I'm full of shit on this one, BJ. Is that is that what's happening here? <laughs> you know, f*** you, pal. I don't need you. No. And I'm just, it's all a joke. I'm kidding. <laughs> I would much prefer, if, like I said before, if the next Kiss album had sounded more like Smoke and Don't You Hesitate, though. So, Very good. Well, Julian, if it ain't the smoke, what's your choice? You know, I, I want to really go somewhere with Peter. And do you know what I mean? Okay. A lot of people have a, I guess it's a hate-hate relationship with that song. It's a cover of a Lee Michaels I think it was his only number one hit or his only hit. Yeah. And I was always into this song, whether it was the White Tiger or whatever, the Tree, the Keeper, whatever he called that band. And then they did a version with Phil Narrow. Um, I just really liked that song. And when it comes to Peter's voice, finding a perfect vehicle for him is a very challenging task. But I think this one allows him, and again, this comes out of the late 80s, early 90s, so it's not going back to the kind of the 70s heyday of Kiss, but with Lee Michaels' history, it's firmly rooted in the 70s. So I like to see Peter do a full-fledged version of that song without all the guitar fret wanking that was present on, you know, the Mark St. John and later Chris guitarist versions of that just because it's a it's a really fun bitter piece that kind of alludes to none of your business which was of course one of the outtakes from the destroyer sessions that wasn't used so well so this is uh here's what 
Do You Know What I Mean sounds like from Lee Michaels, and that's not to be confused with our good friend Lee Michaels out there who's listening. So, here we go. that idea yeah i definitely think they would have had to throw peter a bone to keep him happy when they were making this record so that might have been one good way to do it i i gave a lot of thought to what to giving peter at least one song in this album you know they took the obvious approach that they had to have a peter ballad on psycho circus which mm-hmm. if they were trying to revisit the uh history that is probably i mean that was the obvious thing to do i guess but given peter kind of an r&b like up-tempo rock song like that definitely would have made him happy probably right i i think it would have worked really well interesting choice julian that kind of came yeah that, that one's totally way out there as a pick i mean it, it's not one i think too many people if they're constructing their own you know different kind of circus are possibly going to come up with but you know it's just one of those demos that have circulated that really grabbed me from the first time i heard it and not love bites hell no BJ, is Love Bites on your list? Isn't it just Love Bite? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. So, so what do you... What no, are your... hell no. It's not okay, enough. so we're going to flush that one down the drain. So there we go. Goodbye, Love Bite. Sorry, you didn't make the cut of our different kind of circus. All right, girl, girl. BJ Cramp, your next pick for a different kind of circus. Well, gonna uh, my first Ace song, which um, the song called "I Got the Touch," which was a early Freelies Comet song, I think recorded in '84. Not very good production on the Freelies Comet version, so definitely would envision this song with a much different approach. But it is a really cool song, and when I was trying to think of which Ace Freely songs would be on this record, there's not a ton. <laughs> you know, there's not a ton of Ace outtakes 
that, that are, you know, high quality, I guess. So, uh-huh. you guys know that song? Oh, absolutely. It's a yeah. good pick. Yeah. And the name of it is? I Got the Touch. You know, there's lots of keyboards on the, uh, the 84 version. So, definitely, it could be a lot better with Eddie Kramer producing, <laughs> right? So. Oh, hell yeah. Well, you know, even some of those songs like, uh, what's that one Ace demo, like the uh, audio video? or Yeah, yeah. Very uh, 80s. Yeah. yeah, very 80s, but it's it, it's it's interesting, if nothing else. You know, that's the one thing you could say about Ace is he has a great pop sensibility. It's always interesting what he he throws out, even if, it, even if you don't care for it in the long run. Usually uh, gets your interest. So I got the touch. is one of the earliest Frehley's Comet songs. It was written by Ace and Arthur Stead, the keyboard player, or Steed, Stead. I always get that wrong. Uh-huh. Um, and it was probably, you know, it was probably based on, Arthur had a song earlier on called Out of Touch. Uh-huh. So it was likely based on one of his that Ace got his name on. Great song. Love it. Yeah, it good. seems like there was a kind of an Ace, a Frehley's Comet, almost new wavy kind of 80s pop album that they were possibly envisioning you know yeah that just never came to fruition could have been yeah. pretty interesting <laughs> i wonder what the band would have looked like 
if they yeah, come out with a record at 84 with a lot of keyboards on it. Yeah, and imagine that and uh, what's it? The Girl Can't Dance. Yeah, I exactly. love that song. That is so quirky. Hilarious. It's too bad Ace didn't get any of those songs on like one of those movie soundtracks that came out around that time. Yeah, that would have been, been hilarious. perfect for him. <laughs> yeah. I know I would have bought all those things. Just imagine him on like Fast Times at Ridgemont High with Girl Can't Dance. That would yeah, have been exactly. killer. <laughs> That there could have been a video on MTV. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to play a little bit of Girl Can't Dance there. See that sign? It says 100% guaranteed. You know what the meaning of guarantee is? Did they teach you that here? Sir, if you just wait a minute. Look, just put your little hand back in the cash register and give me my $2.75 back, please, Brad. Sir, if you just give me a minute, I'll find the forms. I'll take care of everything. I don't have a minute. You've made me late enough. I am so tired of dealing with incompetence. It says 100% guaranteed, you moron. Mister, if you don't shut up, I'm going to kick 100% of your ass! Oh, shut what, up, anything I'm you, just, you irritate me. You're like sand and Vaseline. Just don't even get me started. I don't care for BJ anymore. I don't care for him any less, but I don't care for him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, BJ, you know I'm kidding, right? Fuck you, you Ken Mills! And he slams his <laughs> headphones down. I'm never podcasting with you again! <clears throat> Julian Gill, your turn on a different kind of circus. What do you have to offer us? You know what? BJ just went to the almighty Ace Fairly Well, and I think I'm going to go there too. There is one outtake from his 1978 solo album, and it only exists as an instrumental that you can actually hear. Hmm. Um, It's called All for Nothing, and a couple of takes circulate of that. And, you know... Give it a listen briefly. So it's got a vibe, and it would have totally have clashed with the material that was showing up on his solo album, because all of that's very unified in kind of its approach and its sonic. So this thing sticks out like a sore thumb. But I think with... 1998, it would have been a great opportunity to revisit that, and there's a dreadful quality... Um, rehearsal piece that circulates that you can barely hear him singing so you get an idea of the melody that he was kind of working on with this piece and when you marry it up with the actual demo that we can hear it gives you a pretty good idea what it would have sounded like that for me would have been a perfect one for ace to bring into the session and say hey curly or ack or whatever (laughs) you know here's something from the 70s that's legit ace 
and let's work on it. And I think it would have been a great opportunity for him to go to Gene or Paul and say, hey, these are the lyrics I kind of had back at the time. I could do with some help. And obviously he and Paul have worked together you know, on stuff like Coming Home. So it would have been a really good opportunity for a collaboration between Ace and either Gene and or Paul. So I, I have no idea where, where it would have gone. I just, you know, always kind of like the idea of using leftover material from Ace from the 70s because there really isn't too much that we know about. Yeah, anything leftover from Ace's solo album obviously would have been perfect to mine for, for something like this. Every year, tragedy affects us all, whether it be a news reporter, a radio announcer, or an interviewer mispronouncing Mr. Ace Fraley's name. How many times has this happened to you? How many times have you wanted to throw your shoe at a television or kick a radio into a pool? Every year, tragedy affects the KISS Army. I am Ian Farthington III, and I am here today to speak out on public awareness to properly pronounce Ace Fraley's name. It is not freely. It has never been freely. It never will be freely. So please, while you can, inform other people that it is indeed Ace Fraley. Ace Fraley. It's Fraley, not freely. This message paid for by the committee to make sure that people know Ace Fraley's name is indeed Ace Fraley. Tell someone while you can that Ace Fraley's name is indeed Ace Fraley. It's Fraley, not freely. Thank you. So I just have to ask, are we going to have anything about steaming piss flaps on this episode? Definitely not for me. Okay, <laughs> just just checking. You really know if you're a Kiss fan if you get that joke. So there you go. Uh, well, you know, Ken, Ken, you brought up Queen for a day. And, you know, imagine how Kiss fans would have reacted if that song, if they'd put that song on the reunion album. Oh, yeah, I know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a perfect kind of thing to do, I think, you know. It would have been a lot of fun and everybody would have been really excited. All the Kiss fans would have been, you know, really excited about that. It's like this legendary song that we haven't heard, you know. Agreed. Agreed. Julian, should we explain the steaming piss flaps? No, you save that for a sonic boom episode. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's just one where you really don't want to go there. No, that's crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy. Well, BJ, your pick now. It was fair game for me if any of the members had a part in writing the song and it hadn't been released as a Kiss song. So my next pick is a song called Easier Said Than Done, which Ooh. was released by Keel on the Right to Rock, but co-written by G and produced by Gene. And, you know, it's not great production, <laughs> probably by Gene. They could have done a... So, you know, take this song, kind of maybe rework it a little bit and um, better production, and it could be a great song. You know, it's a good pop metal song on the Keel album, but it's pretty, you know... It, it's it's not that well done. So, but I could envision it being turned into something pretty cool. And I guess we're playing the kill version. Yeah, but <laughs> that's the only one out there. That's the only version there is, I guess. All right. Um, that's not entirely accurate. No. Is no, there, there a is... Gene demo? 
There is a Gene demo, and it was uh, sooner said than done when it was uh, written by Gene and Mitch Weissman. So it dates into that period before, obviously, Animal Eyes, and he was able to unload it on one of his unwitting acts that he was pr um, producing. I, that's just, I don't want to call it producing, because what Gene does in the studio to other acts is like child abuse. Um, producing in inverted commas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quote, unquote, getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> Now we now things are getting a little bit difficult and a little bit more challenging. <laughs> you know, we, we've kind of cherry picked a lot of the the really obvious stuff. I think. Yeah. So, giving a little deeper thought into the catalog, I'm going to go back to Magna Graphics, August 1975, mm. and there's a song there. Or uh, to call it a song would be an insult to the term song. There's an idea. <laughs> now, obviously, Bob Ezrin didn't grab it and work with it but gene had a piece called i'm a star yes and that reminds me of a pentagram song that the band had tried to buy star lady or something to that effect but one thing that's always been missing from a kiss album is kind of the paul stanley i'm a star i mean it's just so obvious with his makeup and his role as kind of the front man and the master of ceremonies extraordinaire that he is, that he really should have a song called I'm a Star. So I'm stealing Gene's title, just like Paul used to do. And we're going to write a song for Paul. But the important part about that demo from the Destroyer era is it's got a really gnarly bass riff, and I love it. And I just think that they could have taken that and given it kind of a an updated Great Expectations kind of perspective and it to be all about Paul as the star of KISS. So here's the demo of I'm a Star. Oh wait, that's the that's the wrong song. Okay, there we go. Alright. Gosh, no one even giggled. Uh, Ken Mills, you're an evil, evil human being. <laughs> <laughs> That's nearly as bad as being Rickrolled. <laughs> <laughs> you might not know it now, but baby, yes, I are. I'm a star. He had so much potential, you know, that Prince guy. It's a pot of thunder joke there. 
Alright, BJ, your pick for a different kind of circus. Well, we're flipping my record over to side two, and the first song on side two, this is a song that Paul Stanley co-wrote. It's called Hang Me Up. It was released by the War Babies mm. in 1992, and I was envisioning you know, Kiss taking that song, maybe rewriting it a little bit. Barely anybody heard it when the War Babies put it out, so... And it's a really cool song. So yeah, just envisioning that song reworked a little bit, produced by Eddie Kramer, you know, with Ace on guitar. Could be awesome. Very cool song. Great idea. Well, BJ, why don't you introduce that and let the folks hear it? And and War Babies was, what's his name, Brad Sinsel, who was in um, TKO. And they kind of, that record kind of got lumped in because it came out right around the time when Alice and Chains were taking off and stuff, and I think it kind of got... And they were from Seattle, so I think it kind of got lumped into the mm. the Seattle thing, but it was more of just a hard rock record, you know? So is that your introduction? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? And uh, now, here on, yeah. <laughs> on the podcast sideline, on the, on the mighty... 72 degrees? Yeah. <laughs> do it, do it. No, come on, do it. Uh, on, on I can't WF- do a radio DJ voice. Ah, oh, come on. You now can... you just need to punch in Monty Python. And now for something completely, completely different. different. Yeah, come on, BJ, give it a shot. All right, stuck in traffic, drive time weather, 72 degrees. <laughs> I love it. Hang me up, my war babies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice, all in. Love it, love it, love it. Very good. You took it right up to the post. That was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> you can uh, plug it plug it right in there. Yeah. You know, you do have a face for radio, so it all works out. <laughs> Put some reverb on there. I will. I will. It's going to be fantastic. You're going to get a whole new career out of this. Garbage man. <clears throat> <laughs> all right. Stuck in traffic. Drive time weather. 72 degrees. Hang me up. My war baby's there. choice it, it is kind of weird how we're now getting into the unknown because the picks are not so obvious julian take us away your your turn you know i've been all over the radar with some of my picks i've gone back to the 70s mm-hmm. i've tried not to neglect the 80s in kind of envisaging the band taking a van halen approach where van halen you know went to those instrumentals that eddie had used on the wildlife i i wanted to make sure that we didn't 
or we weren't scared of kind of going more recent than the period at which we're talking about them doing this album, so 1998. So my next pick is something actually from 1992 that wasn't used, and it's the one unfinished song from Revenge, that even though it's completely out of Ace Frehley's ballpark on the guitar, Do You Want to Touch Me Now? Mm. Just like I had recommended that they take Sword and Stone back to the 70s and, you know, kind of reinterpret it with a 70s feel, that Do You Want to Touch Me Now also has elements within it, apart from not having any bloody words, um, that they could have based a really cool song on. It's got the riffs, it's got the bombastic drums that I think Peter could certainly have been helped to create. It's just one of those ones. Again, most fans know of it, so when we think about Kiss going in and recycling old ideas and putting the bout on the album, this was just another one of those songs that uh, totally jumps out right now. So this is Do You Want to Touch Me Now, right? Yeah, and that's the song that Paul Stanley was working on with, I think it's Dave Sabo from Skinner. All right, BJ Cramp, you have the next choice. Well, I've got another Ace pick, and this is a song that ended up... Uh, Megaforce put out a compilation called Loaded Deck, which I think was to try to cash in on the reunion tour. Uh-huh. And But this song was recorded in 86, so like pre-Freely's Comet album, um, One Plus One. It's, it might be kind of a dumb song. <laughs> uh, oh. I, I like it. I definitely... I think with most of these songs, we're kind of envisioning them maybe rewriting them a little bit, tweaking it, you know, but uh, I think there's a lot of potential with this song. And, you know, we've like we've talked about, there's not a ton of of Ace outtakes out there to really choose from. So uh, I thought this might have been a good one, but it is kind of a dumb song at the same time. Well, let's play a little bit of that right now. thoughts on one plus one i'm sorry bj (laughs) (laughs) you know for me you've picked ace frehley's read my body it's (laughs) it's not not that bad (laughs) for me it is i think if we went to the other song 
that Ace had an outtake from, which actually comes from the Trouble Walking Air. I, I much would have, would have rather had that. What's and because that? I, I'm trying a fucking blank. <laughs> Is that the same? He's a trying to Sebastian fucking Bach find it, laddie. There's a song I know Sebastian Bach talked about that he said was like the greatest song. I think it's the one you played that was co-written by Snake Sabo, but... No, I think he... Uh, Sebastian was there was one he wrote with Ace for Trouble Walking that was... Um, no, he didn't write anything back then, but there was uh, Shaking Sharp Shooter, which obviously shows up on Ace's album, and Give It To Me Anyway is the one I'm actually thinking of as being yeah, right, worthy, right. worthy of being revisited versus One Plus One. Sorry, it just doesn't Give It work, To Me though. Anyway went back to like the Richie Scarlet like totally. early era, the right? Good, yeah. yeah, the good era. <laughs> but, you know, One Plus One is One. <laughs> Is that what that song says? One plus one is one. <laughs> Pretty dumb. Rewrite it. It would have been rewritten for the album. That's all so, I'm saying. Love plus one is two, and that's me and you. Look at that. Already, just right off the top of my head. You can send that check to Ken Mills, Care of Podcast. Or if you have a check, you can send it to Kiss FAQ Podcast as well. I will cash it either way. Come on, it's better than Read My Body. Anything's better than Read My Body. <laughs> <laughs> just you've got to I no matter what the song says I still don't think that they made the letters big enough <laughs> there are people in Paraguay that couldn't quite make it out <sighs> so Julian you're next to throw something onto the slab of a different kind of circus well I'm going to stay in the 1980s for this pick and it's very atmospheric. It's very brooding. It's very kind of dark. It's maybe a heavy metal Johnny Cash song. The Man in Black with mm. Attitude. And it's Gene Simmons. Something Wicked This Way Comes. Obviously, Doro had recorded a version of this song on her, I think it's her 1990 self-titled solo album. But Gene's demo from the late 80s that was originally supposed to turn up on Hot in the Shade is just a, a really cool bit of, again, like I said, atmosphere. It's dark, it's brooding, it's not in you know, the same kind of realm as God of Thunder or Almost Human. It's understated. So I, I think he could have really taken that song, revisited it, and maybe made something of it with the originals lineup that uh, would have made the album a bit more interesting than it was. And the name of the track is again? Something Wicked This Way Comes.
Jay, your thoughts on Julian's pick, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Sounds good to me. I can't remember how the song goes off the top of my oh, head. Oh, God, BJ. Come on. <laughs> get it together. I'm pretty sure that's Tom Man guitar. Yeah. And that, that's a very moody piece, and it, it really sounds like something... You know who would have been excellent to cover that? Alice Cooper. Think about it. Yeah, I mean, he can nail the mood 
and he can certainly nail the kind of the understated vocal. I think much better than Gene does in in many ways because Gene, you just don't know which vocal you're going to get out of him. When he goes melodic, you get really great stuff, and when you get, I guess, Cookie Monster, you also get very good. But in between is kind of that zone of, you know, win and fail, and it's either 100% either way. So Alice would be a great one to cover that, absolutely. Or the demon if he shows up, so... Yeah, what, what I think is really fun about this whole concept is imagining them taking these songs into the studio, say, like I said, with Eddie Kramer and trying to make a classic sounding Kiss album and reworking them and tweaking them. And yeah, so you, yeah, a song like that, when you start thinking about it in those terms, you imagine what they might have turned it into. It could have been really cool. Yeah, and that's the greatest part of this discussion, is that I think that it is Eddie Kramer is the producer. We're not talking about Bob Ezrin, who would take these things and go left turn at Albuquerque. Eddie would just record, and it would be left to the band to figure out how to really get them where they were going. You know, Eddie's the engineer. Eddie is not the co-writer who's going to rearrange for them. He's not going to take all of these things and do the work for them. It's going to have to be the guys making the music who do that. So, you know, it's a great, you know, diversion. Yeah, I I really think that would have been interesting. That could have been the God of Thunder uh, track, if you will. You know, if they were going for that kind of vibe. Yeah, and and being Kiss, you know that they would go for, you know, they're going to go into each wheelhouse and say, well, we've got to have the God of Thunder song. We've got to have the anthemic call-out song. We've got to have the emotional response song. And, you know, they, they've kind of got all these areas that they got to touch, you know, going for the Destroyer model that they've kind of kept on every album since. we got to have the Ace Math song. <laughs> the very basic math song. <laughs> Well, okay. speaking of what they gotta have, when I was thinking about it, I was thinking, what would the Peter Ballad have been? And um, <laughs> we were talking about how there aren't a lot of Ace outtakes. Well, <laughs> what the hell? What the hell is there from Peter that would be usable? You know, spotlights and lonely nights. <laughs> but I was looking at, you know, his album "Let Me Rock You" from '82 wasn't even released in the U.S., so I was thinking he could have maybe gone back to that well. And there's a ballad on there that he even co-wrote called Bad Boys, which isn't a terrible song. But the song I like on there is the song Tears, which uh, you guys know who wrote that one? <laughs> yes. Um, Meredith. <laughs> <laughs> one Vinnie Vincent. And Adam Mitchell, yeah. And uh, it was released by John Waite. It was on the same album as uh, Missing You. It's a, I think it's a great song. Come and make a new 
it's not entirely a ballad, but obviously they would have had would they would have had to have given Peter something on the record, and the, the obvious thing like what they ended up doing would be a ballad. But you know, maybe it would have been maybe Julian's idea would have been a better approach to give Peter, you know, a different kind of song. But um, Tears or Bad Boys, which one do you guys think? <laughs> not to be honest, neither. I think Peter did, did those did those fine on his own, but they really don't come up to quite the standard that we're looking for with a Kiss record. Um, I, I like Bad Boys, I always did, but you know, I, I really think with Peter, you want to have his gruffness coming through, and there is an outtake from his album, just like there was with Aces, and it's Spotlights and Lonely Nights, and it was only ever released on Sean Delaney's uh-huh. Highway album with Sean doing the vocal. It's the same studio musicians who recorded all of the songs, or most of the songs, pardon me, on Peter's solo effort, and. You know, it, it's it's dark, it's brooding, and maybe that's you know the reason they left it off originally in 1978 is that it's a little bit too dark. It's almost sending the clowns in terms of the depression level on it. But yeah. uh, you know, I think I'd rather have that than either of the "Let Me Rock You" songs because both of those are great within the context that Peter recorded them. Yeah, no, that's that's a great idea, actually. Did Peter co-write that song? No, he. Uh, no. They paid. They they paid for it. Okay. So so he would have gotten the co-writing credit, but uh, very little involvement in it. Yeah, I have that Sean Delaney record, and it's funny how it's all it's all like the same people from the Kiss solo albums, and it, he yeah. even thanks the guys in Kiss, just like they all thank each other on their records. It's yeah, almost like f- that is like the fifth solo album. <laughs> it know? is. You know, he's yeah. the fifth Kiss. So yeah. You know, it's a good album, actually, and you know, and I just going on a, a quick tangent. Anyone who hasn't heard it should get on YouTube and uh, give it a listen because Sean obviously was a very gifted person. Yeah. But lights and lonely nights. Guess that's the game I'm in. Wake up. Julian 
sees your tears with his spotlights, Lonely Nights. And, uh, and I could go with that. I agree. He's right. <laughs> Woohoo! Finally, for once today. <laughs> we have a consensus. We never thought this would happen, but here we are. All right, Julian? Just as long as it's not I finally found my way. I don't care what the hell it is as oh, long come as it's on. not that. Right? That is Andrew Scambetti's favorite song. <laughs> and we send a shout-out to both him and Jason Herndon over at Kiss My Wax, the Kiss Vinyl podcast. So Awesome show. Yeah. All right, so where am I going to go? I guess i got to go with where my head's at at the moment with working on this Odyssey book about the Elder. And there's some, some untitled instrumentals that people have generally associated with the Elder mm-hmm. that most of them are actually Lick It Up instrumentals, but there's one that always pops up, and it's an untitled instrumental. So I'm just going to play a little bit of it so you can get an idea. So I can't remember where that one comes from. It may have been from the fancy fair bootleg from the 80s. I don't know if it's Elder or Lick It Up era. I just don't have the musical ear to be able to say, oh, that's Vinny or that's Ace. Sorry. It seems to be more of a complete idea, and we know it's from the cutting room floor, at least, from Kiss. So I like to see them work on something like that and develop a song around the riff. It's got a good energy to it. It's a fun piece of early 80s Kiss rock and roll. So go with it. And the name of that is? Untitled Instrumental. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) Instrumental number 12. (laughs) Now, BJ, is it really instrumental number 12? You're going to cause confusion with collectors out there. (laughs) On my track listing, it's dot, dot, dot. (laughs) I actually like how they let that little ping, like, kind of, they would do the riff, and then it would, like, ping, like, ring out. I thought that was pretty cool. It does kind of sound like the Elder stuff. Yeah, it does. Like, there's that thing called Council of the Elder. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why I that's think that's like it, an upbeat thing, right? Yeah, that's why I was thinking it's from the Fancy Fair demo, but uh, you know, so impossible to tell at this stage. Mm. All right, BJ, your turn. I went through the Gene demos and I picked one out. It's, I think it's an unfinished song called "We Won't Take It Anymore," which is one of the songs that he offered to Heavy Petten, which I probably got from Julian's website. <laughs> I love Heavy Petten though; they were a great band. And I guess Gene offered them like three or four songs, but they didn't use any of them, right? But it's, I guess it was recorded in 83. It's a pretty cool song, but I think it's not a finished song, right? If I remember, you know, I don't. I think the versions out there are just real short kind of snippets, right? 
Yeah, work. They're basically his work tapes. Yeah. I don't think uh, the copy that was actually um, on that cassette for Heavy Petten actually circulates. So right. we have no we have no idea how complete it was. But from the what circulates is the so-called Asylum demos. You know, it's uh, partial. I think it sounds like a really cool song, uh, probably better than any of his stuff on Animalize. So, <laughs> but that's just my opinion, I guess. Yeah, you're not setting a very high bar there, BJ. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that it, it's better than Murder in High Heels. That's like saying better than Read My Body, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
Julian, ball's in your court. Yeah, and I'm going to stick with the untitled instrumental theme from Kiss. And this one is pretty much definitively Lick It Up era, but uh, I'll just play a little bit of this for you so that you can get an idea of this one as well.
All right, so that one I think is pretty sure to be from Lick It Up. And again, going into 1998 and recycling, I just like the idea of representing every single person who had been in Kiss up to that point. And I don't think Vinny had sued them yet, so I guess anything was possible. And it would have been nice to have some of these unfinished ideas, again, that many fans had heard through the 80s and 90s and the, the tape trading community, just to kind of jump out, whether it's a riff here, a riff there. There's elements in that particular untitled instrumental that... You know, I, I just always enjoyed I, I remember the excitement of hearing it for the first time and going, oh, that's an unreleased Kiss song, you know, one that they're working on that they didn't finish. And as a young fan, I, I found it tremendously exciting. And it really set me up for a kind of a, a, a lifetime addiction of collecting these unreleased demos and ideas and cuttings from the studio floor and obtaining reels and getting them preserved. And also sharing them with people you know they they always got out a bit further than i intended but you know it was really a part that set me up as a fan and really gave me an area of interest so that one came from one of my first bootleg tapes that i bought in the 80s so would have loved to have heard them finish it bj your thoughts yeah sounded cool to me <laughs> yeah i like i personally like that and what's the name of that untitled instrumental again <laughs> instrumental okay. number 14 <laughs> So, yeah. so, so what you should... know, some, some of them have been given uh, BS titles on bootlegs and whatnot, but you know what? As far as I'm aware, they don't have real names. You'd have to see the original real boxes, which, I, if they're cutting room scraps and all that, I don't think anyone's going to have. So, Julian, that was a very cool pick. BJ, yours? Well, we've come to the last song on my record because I just did a 10 song album like Psycho Circus. Right. You know, uh, Killers hadn't actually been released in the U.S. So it fit into my <laughs> rules that I set for myself. And of course, we're talking about pre-box set. So I thought a great song to close out the album would have been Nowhere to Run, like a reworked mm. version of that song, which of course ended up on the box set, but this is before that. So, And obviously, the vast majority of KISS fans would have been very familiar with the song. But it also, it's such a great song, it would have been cool to, you know, they could have given it new life. So would have been speak, neat to so. have Ace play on that, a nice solo yeah, on right. that. Julian, what do you think of that idea? It's such a fantastic song that I think giving it any additional podium for other people to experience is only a good thing. Again, it's one of the the unsung greatest Kiss songs of the 1980s, so mm -hmm. I'm all for it. Love the idea. I've often thought that that song should have been on the Warriors soundtrack. Doesn't it seem like it would fit that movie? incredibly well very well you know and again it's got the right attitude to go there yeah well you you know we've got these certain songs like sword and stone it's my life nowhere to run they're great great songs but they just kind of got lost because they didn't fit whatever record they were working on at the time even though you know they're such great songs that this would have been a great chance for them to you know revisit them and and actually you know give them an actual a release on a real kiss album you know yeah and absolutely a different kind of circus would have drawn attention to all this great material that only the diehard kiss fans really know about so you're spot on bj very good well now we're into since that was bj's last pick i believe you have four left right so these would make the best buy target and amazon <laughs> yeah. 
bonus track. So you'd have B-side, to buy the, could yeah, be B-side. The, the, the four different On the versions. It's My Life single. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So the show is yours, Julian. Here's the tough part. Again, I'm going back into Magna Graphics, and you go to the original demo for Detroit Rock City. Uh-huh. And you've got different lyrics in there and a different vocal delivery. And the style of Paul singing on that original Detroit Rock City demo, I think I would have loved to have seen them revisit that style. Obviously, they've used a lot of the, you know, the chorus in the version of Detroit Rock City that was helped by Bob Ezrin to bring that. But I think there's enough meat on the bones or on the carcass left for them to kind of take the aggressive approach that Paul had with that and also kind of the message that is kind of a parallel to Detroit Rock City and work with it. So, again, it's kind of obscure to try and even think about that demo. It's only been out a few years for most people to hear. But, you know, there's a lot in there that could have been recycled most effectively, I think. on that yeah that's an awesome idea especially obviously if they were going for trying to make a a classic kiss sounding record which i think is you know pretty much the approach that van halen had taken so that's kind of what we're thinking about yeah and a part of taking that approach is choosing the right material all of it's very subjective and everyone's going to have their own favorite stuff i mean i tried to stay away from stuff that's rotten to the core just because that's been done so many times and leader four just ruined it as well so you know 
you know, there's a lot of stuff from the 70s, and most of it is jeans, and most of it really is not workable. It's just a guy getting his ideas down. Whereas you kind of listen to Paul's stuff, and that's more a guy who goes into the studio and records something, and how it, if it gets used, is how it sounds. So that doesn't give you a lot of scope. For the, the Detroit Rock City demo is a great example of a Paul song before someone else touches it that still has stuff from a perspective that could have been worked with. So, did we come on any kind of agreement? Like, what would make up the side one and side two, then? Out of our list, we have our list here. Uh, What do you think would kick off the album? It's My Life. Ah, It's My Life would be number one. Okay. For for me, I would say go for the jugular from the get-go. Yeah, I would be totally on board with that. Okay. Our second track would be... BJ, give me a pick. Should probably be a Paul song. So, Sword and Stone, or Don't You Hesitate, or what? Yeah, either or. Yeah, Sword of Stone would be a great follow-up to It's My Life. That's a powerful one-two punch. Okay. Let me, like... Yeah, I mean, what a a kickoff to a record. I mean, Jesus. (laughs) All right, track three would be... Rip and Destroy. (laughs) 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 I think you got to follow up with an Acer or Peter song, so I would probably jump in with uh, Do You Know What I Mean? Okay, so number four, and we're going five songs on each side. So what do we go for four here? Probably time for an A song. So we'll do with uh, I Got the Touch. Yeah, it's too early to do math. <laughs> or All for Nothing. Or math. I, I would love to, yeah. You know, so you'd rather do All for Nothing for number four? Okay, so All for Nothing with Ace Fraley. Number five, we've got uh, Side One Closer. Do you know what closes out a side of an album very well? That's something brooding and atmospheric. So maybe something like Something Wicked This Way Comes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, then that means we got to have a Paul track to kick off side two. Don't you hesitate. All right. We've had a Gene and a Paul track, so now we got to go back to Ace or Peter, right? I don't know if we're going back to Peter at all. <laughs> Already been there. One song. Album. <laughs> yeah, Peter gets one. Throw him a bone. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> All right. What's the other A song? I, got I the like touch. the idea of Queen for a Day being on there. Yeah, you get you got to do it, don't you? Queen for a Day. Don't know what it sounds like. Put it on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, we got to mix up the Gene and Paul, yeah. right? <laughs> Gene's just not gonna be happy with his representation on this album. No. <laughs> I don't know. Go back to Dynasty. Okay. Ouch. All right. He was making a movie while this was this album was being. Yeah. Made. So. <laughs> So we got Don't You Hesitate, Queen for a Day, Something, We Won't Take It Anymore, Nowhere to Run. Uh, is this where we go Hang Up or I'm a Star? I'm a Star. Followed off of I'm a Queen, Queen for a Day, I'm a Star. What do you think? Sure. Here is our track listing for what the three of us have come up with with a different kind of circus, which wouldn't be the name of the album. But Side 1 would kick off with It's My Life. Track 2 would be Sword and Stone. Track three, Do You Know What I Mean, featuring Peter Chris on vocals. Number four, Ace Fraley brings in All for Nothing. Right? Is that what it is? Yeah, All, mm-hmm. all, all for Nothing. Okay. That's a solo album yeah. take, right? Yeah. And then Gene does track five, Something Wicked This Way Comes. The album flips over. We have Don't You Hesitate, followed by Ace Fraley on lead vocal with Queen for a Day. Followed at track three with I'm a Star. About featuring the one and only Paul Stanley. Number four, We Won't Take It Anymore, 
the final gene track on the album. And lastly, we conclude with our track five, our reworking of the Nowhere to Run Kiss Classic. So there you go. It kicks off with a semi-release song with It's My Life and another uh, semi-classic Kiss song, Nowhere to Run. So it's a pretty good album right there. Well, yeah, it's full of Kiss songs. It would have been awesome. Was I'm a Star a Destroyer era song? Yeah, it's pre-Destroyer. Yeah. Pre-Destroyer? Yeah, I mean, and then what would the album be called? I was thinking they could have called that The Harder They Come. (laughs) Ooh, I like that. Well, they'd already tried that in 74. That was the original Yeah, that was the original Hotter Than Hell. Hotter Than Hell, yeah. Okay. So you can can recycle, you know, lots of their their album times. (laughs) Kiss kiss at Midnight, you know, The Harder They Come. I like The Harder They Come because it's something that they had and it would work. It would, so yeah, I mean, go. Kiss fans would have been freaking out if they put out a record called The Harder They Come. It had Queen for a day on it. <laughs> it would have been, been pretty obvious what they were up to. Absolutely. So there we have it, our different kind of circus album. We're calling, And there we have it, our different kind of circus album. We're calling it The Harder They Come with the tracks It's My Life, Sword and Stone, Do You Know What I Mean, All for Nothing, Something Wicked This Way Comes, Don't You Hesitate, Queen for a Day, I'm a Star, We Won't Take It Anymore, and Nowhere to Run. Sounds like a really solid Kiss album. Now if they just listen to us, right guys? Yeah, but you know what the really sad thing is? Is even if they went back to the original Master Tapes, that would still have more Ace Frehley on it than it than Psycho Circus did. Mm, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But it seems like everybody gets a fair sampling of representation, if you will, based on past Kiss albums. This is this is kind of uh, kind of to form, if you will. And it's produced by Eddie Kramer, right? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Sounds great. Uh, unless you really, really, really want to get Ron Nevison. <laughs> no. 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 Just not produced by Gene. No. Either. <laughs> or Paul. Yeah, <laughs> or we could get Neil Neil Bogart back if only, because I, I I still think Dress to Kill sounds awesome. But oh well, yeah, 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 I agree. Self-produced. Yeah, it's one of the best sounding Kiss albums as far as I'm concerned. It, it has that that live rawness, yet it's clearly a studio album. Yeah, I think it's the best sounding one with the best songs. Yeah, that and Rock and Roll Over. Those are the two songs to two albums to me that really capture the live kiss within the framework of the studio at least the closest to me well julian so what's up at the mighty kiss faq podcast well we're what what have we done we just done episode 77 that i wasn't a part of you know we've got a really cool team of people what we're really enjoying about it though is the comments and how uh listeners seem to be enjoying what's being done we're not looking for drama we're just having some fun as we, as would any Kiss fan, getting together with another Kiss fan and talking about some pretty off-the-wall topics. So, you know, we're having a great time. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to thank you, Ken, for the inspiration that you've given all of us to kind of get out there and tell our personal stories in a, you know, kind of relaxed manner. You know, so uh, we're having a good time. Well, I'm glad that you're here. If, if I had anything to do with what you guys are doing, then I'm a very proud papa, trust me. Well, you know, the podcast is a high standard to measure oneself against, and uh, we try and do things in a, a similar manner, and, you know, I think people are enjoying it. Right. And if you're not enjoying KISS, you're doing it wrong. Right? Absolutely. And, of course, we've got the ever-effervescent 
BJ Cramp. What's new in your podcasting career, sir? Well, I'm just finishing up my series on Def Leppard, which Julian was a part of uh, for the High and Dry episode. Did an episode for every album. Euphoria came out this week, and the last episode next week <laughs> kind of wind things up. Wasn't gonna, just couldn't handle doing an episode each about you know X and <laughs> songs from the Sparkle Lounge. So, right. One more episode on Def Leppard, and then back to just random craziness. Back to rock and or rolling. So. And Zodiac yeah. Mind Warp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely there will be a Zodiac Mind Warp episode coming up with Julian. That should be good. And right after Def Leppard, I'm going into the 60s for a few episodes. And, uh, Ooh. So. You know, I love that stuff, so I'm all over music from the 60s, so let me know. Well, we want to thank you for listening to this, our little crossover. It's it's taken a long time to get this done because it just seemed like uh, the fates were against us, but we proved the fates wrong. Of course, watch something will happen when I go to save the recording. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you did start. Yeah, I've had this. <laughs> I've had this file on my computer for I don't know how long with all my pics and everything. Well, very it's good. been a long time we've been planning this. Yes, but it's finally happening. It's actually happening, Reg. Life of Brian quote there. We want to encourage all of our PodKiss listeners to check out the KISS FAQ podcast. They're a great bunch of guys. We love them all. And to be honest, you guys could slip in and do the podcast anytime you want it, and we could probably do your show. It's, 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 it's a quality program, and I'm glad to be affiliated with you. So Likewise, keep keep it much. up, sir. Keep it up. And who knows, I might break into your house and just do your show someday. Hey, you know, there's always a microphone for you, Ken. Oh, well, that's <coughs> great. I've always wanted a microphone. Too, for that matter. Yeah, BJ. Anytime. And I can't freaking wait for that Elder Book to come out. So <laughs> It's going to be great. Not, neither can I. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look forward to the Elder Book. Let us know on our social medias both on the KISS FAQ Facebook page or on the KISS FAQ message boards let us know what you think of our list and please tell us what your list would be and let us know on the PodKISS Facebook page as well tell a friend about PodKISS tell a friend about the KISS FAQ podcast and tell some folks about the Rock and or Roll podcast it's free entertainment, doesn't cost you anything but your time, and we hope that it was valuably spent. We are glad any time you take the time to, to spend it with us, and uh, whether we're on our way to work with you, or, or whether you're listening to us in the break room, or as you're driving home, we're just glad to be along for the ride. Thank you once again, and we will see you on the next episode of Your Podcast. Bye. <laughs> And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podcast is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. 
If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podkist is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podkist crew, thank you for listening to Podkist, the KISS fanzine for your ears. Good enough? Very nice. Anything I left out? No, I don't think think so. so. Okay. BJ's an idiot. All right. I'm glad I got that (laughs) on tape. Okay. You know, I, I'm dropping that whole line. Never mind. Bye, babe, 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 babe. Edit this out. I'm an idiot. Okay. Okay. Well, BJ, your next. BJ, your next pick on our different kind of circus. Well, if you were listening, Ken, you would know that I just said my next pick. Oh, then <laughs> eat my shorts, BJ. <laughs> Check out these ads from the following shows. We are proud to call them the friends of the Podkiss Network. We are one. We're a scene man. That's right, Kiss Army. We're having a rock and roll party, and you are invited. Tune into the Strange Ways Kiss Podcast and hang out with your Kiss Army brothers, Jody Havnock, Clinton Harris, and D Rock. Join us where we celebrate and discuss the gods of thunder. That's Strange Ways Kiss Podcast. You can find us on Facebook or Podomatic.com. We'll see you there. It's time to play Hooky with the Wookie with Matt Porter in the Kiss Room. You wanted the best, you got the best. And if you want the hottest show on Monco Radio, join us in the Kiss Room. The Kiss Room is a monthly radio broadcast celebrating the hottest band in the world. It's your place for all things Kiss and some... For broadcast dates and all information, go to thekissroom.com. The Kiss Room broadcasts live and worldwide on Monco Radio, where music and minds meet. Hey, I'm Dr. Fuck. And I'm the Ayatollah of Alcohola. And we are from the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. If you want to check out some crazy, uncensored, unbiased, totally nuts reviews of classic hard rock and heavy metal albums, Check us out. You can get us on Podbean and iTunes. New episodes every Sunday. That's right. And we also do each other's moms. True. Free of charge. Well, mine charges. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mine's free. Kistory Science Theater. The most civilized. Oh, f***. (laughs) Oh, f***. Come on. (laughs) Respectful. Just imagine Gene with like, like a with like a washtub base. Boom, 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 boom. And serious. No wait. Excuse me, Bob. You're gonna come over and do my album. <laughs> Kiss podcast on the web. History science theory. We bust balls because we care. Rock and roll and vinyl are meant to go together. <laughs> like drummers and strippers. <laughs> That's right. So maybe it's time to hop on down to your local record store and go digging for some lost gems. 
on vinyl. And that's exactly what we do here at the Shabby Road Record Show. We pick selections from our own personal record collections, and then we discuss the songs, the artists, the albums, and the stories about the music that you may have never heard. And there's nothing more fun than listening to two knuckleheads spinning vinyl and talking music. So dive on into the five-star rated podcast, The Shabby Road Record Show. You can subscribe for free on iTunes, Spreaker, and Stitcher, where there's a new episode released every Tuesday. Also, you can find us on Facebook and at our website, ShabbyRoadRecordShow.com. Hey, this is Nick, co-host of The Pot of Thunder, the only KISS podcast that breaks down the entire KISS song catalog one track at a time. Every week we have a new song chosen at random and we do our best to analyze it. We talk about KISS-related topics and non-KISS-related topics, all the while trying not to kill each other. If you like the sound of that, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and especially on iTunes. Pot of Thunder! Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Podcast Rock City. What's up, everybody? This is Joe from Podcast Rock City, where every week me and my crew will bring you the Kiss News of the Week. Look at us as kind of a Kiss version of Meet the Press, your source for Kiss News every week. We're on iTunes, Podomatic, Twitter, and Facebook. All right, KISS Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast, the KISS audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the KISS room, brings you KISS talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great KISS fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and listening to podcast. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hi, this is Jason Herner with Kiss My Wax, a brand new podcast about all things Kiss vinyl. Be sure to join myself, Andrew Scambatti, and Tom Shannon each episode as we discuss the crazy world of collecting Kiss vinyl. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash kissmywax and on YouTube by searching Kiss My Wax. We hope to see you all there. Oh, we're great at that. I mean, I mean, that's, we are amateurs. Yeah, I make all the sex sounds with my mouth afterwards. Squish. The stuff you shoot makes people say, I feel slightly dumber for having masturbated to that. <laughs> this is a my bad kind of scenario totally i had no idea you couldn't light a car on fire in los angeles now we know can't burn a car anywhere actually. oh, oh yeah, you, can. you can i've burned like 40 cars never been arrested you should, you should it's a great way to get rid of evidence yeah probably shouldn't tell me that we're on the same team here we're, we're detectives for now when we solve our friend's murder we will become vigilantes yes that's illegal you can't be a vigilante why so, why batman does it there's no such thing as batman and being what? a vigilante. 
You are so wrong. If you go to Gotham right now, Batman is, is taking the line to his own hands. Batman is a fictitious character. Batman is the alter ego of yeah. Bruce Wayne, who's, who's real, a real person. Obviously. In the movie, he's a real. In the documentaries. I'm sorry? There's yeah. like a million documentaries, documentaries about Batman. There's one from the 70s, and then there's some from the 90s, and they just had three in the last like decade. There's like three new documentaries yeah, about Batman. Do you have any idea what the term documentary means? Yeah, non-porno with, movies. With, with real people. English in patient. You guys belong in a mental institution. That's how we met, actually. It was lovely. Yeah. Look. Ooh. This place oh, is nice. Right? I'm glad you wore your nice flip-flops. <sighs> Stay frosty, man. Okay.